We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. All right, that was pretty good. Uh, if you didn't hear the end of the hour and you want to hear old Roy being forced to karaoke to the safety dance, but not able to sing any of the lines that use the word dance, rewind on the Odyssey app, or you can get the podcast, 971talk.com. Trisha is here, old Roy and Ryan Wiggins, and we are going to do a bit here called Which One's Left? Which One's Left? Which One's Left? We're going to present two different headlines, same story, two different headlines, and we have to pick which one is from a leftist news source and which one is from an independent or right-leaning news source. Trisha, I guess you can go first. Okay. Uh, All right. There's a lot of pressure out the gate. Let's see if you guys can get this right. Um, Biden admin courts Venezuela as Russian economy takes hits from sanctions. Report. Okay, that sounds pretty pretty down the middle. Okay. Russia's war has given Biden a chance to ditch Trump's failed Venezuela policy. Wait, say that say that one more time. Russia's war has given Biden a chance to ditch Trump's failed Venezuela policy. Okay, that one's got to be pretty far left. Right? That would be my vote. Yeah, that's correct. What organization is that? So that's the Huffington Post. Okay. The Huffington Post is one of the best to pull these from. I know. They're uh They're so far. Yeah. It's you just start with Huff Post and then find any other one and you pretty much can do it. Yeah, the other one is actually Fox News, so kudos to Fox News. That sounds pretty much Yeah. You know. That's down the middle. Yeah. Uh that story in general though is an embarrassment. So I don't actually know much about it. Um, I did the headline. Could you fill us in? Well, he's using 
all these rogue regimes now to pump more oil because we're not using Russia. Now, Russia, we didn't get a ton of oil from Russia, but even if you're talking about 5 to 10% of your input, you're talking about a, a, a price spike, and so the market's reacting to that. I think, honestly, the market is overreacting because they're not... So the market's reacting to Russia and us not having oil for, coming from mm-hmm. Russia, but they're also reacting to the potential of war, which disrupts everything. So I think it's more about the potential for war than it is because it's all speculation. You know, we're talking about oil futures here. We're not talking about what it currently is. So it's spiking based on speculation. So in a sense, I don't know that prices are going back down quickly just because the world is so unstable. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that one thing is what's causing oil to spike. Now, the way that Biden's doing this is embarrassing because, and this has been talked to death. Everybody knows this. I mean, I talked to a guy, my basement flooded on Sunday night. So Monday morning, I had uh, two guys come in that I do not know from Adam. And we were just chit-chatting while they were doing mitigation and cleaning up some of the water that was in my basement. And I said, boy, something about gas prices came up. And he goes, oh, well, you know why, right? It's because uh, Biden shut down so many pipelines. And I'm like, I don't know. This guy doesn't know me. I don't know him. I mean, we're talking about the average person who is barely paying attention knows that Biden has botched this thing. He knows. Or everybody knows. So so now he's going to places like Venezuela and saying, we need oil or we need help. I yeah. got to fix this crisis I have for yes. personal selfish reasons. And it's 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 so obvious that it almost doesn't even need to be discussed because every single person <clears throat> who's barely, barely paying attention knows that if you decide to come into office and shut down our oil production... Not just the Keystone XL pipeline. That one gets all the attention. That one would have produced like 800,000 barrels a day. Guess how much we're getting from Russia? About 800,000 barrels a day. Total wash that that would have done. Totally true. But he shut down leases, put a moratorium on all federal drilling in week one of his presidency. Some of that factually has been overturned by courts, but not all of it. So it, it is an embarrassment the situation that we've gotten ourselves in and the fact that we now as America, we're supposed to be the leaders, are now, based on your story, mm-hmm. going to Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. Please help us. Hey, can you uh, help out? Hey, here's a <clears throat> funny story. And the, This didn't go as planned. Yes, Imagine that. It's un, it's it's really amazing. And it's there's really no angle to it. Like, there's nothing we can it discuss because it it's just that stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you have any other ones? Uh, sure, I can keep going. All right. A Missouri lawmaker seeks to stop residents from obtaining abortions out of state. Okay. That's the first headline. The second one, Missouri bill would use snitches to stop women from getting out of state abortions. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that's a local story. Yep. I'm going to guess that the second one is... The Riverfront Times. Do you have any guesses? Uh, I would say the second one is probably the left-leaning one, but I don't know where. Post-Dispatch? No, it's actually the Daily Beast. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they it's a national it up, story. They picked it up nationally. Everybody did. The first one comes from the Washington Post, and the Washington Post actually, uh, this is not the most 
straight reporting, but it's the it unfortunately the straightest reporting I could find on this particular story. What was the organization again? Uh, it's it's For Mary the... it's Mary Elizabeth Coleman's bill. Um, that's a pro life bill okay. that's receiving a lot of national attention. Um, all right, first one. The White House is spreading vile lies about the Don't Say Gay bill. <laughs> that's the first one. Second one. The magic has died. Disney employees are outraged that their company won't speak out about the don't say gay bill. <laughs> that seems pretty obvious, right? This bill itself. Which is... one is right and which one is left? It's so polarizing. Say them one more time. The White House is spreading vile lies about the don't say gay bill. Second one, the magic has died. Disney employees are outraged that their their company won't speak out about the don't say gay bill. Second one, I'm going to go. Second one is yeah. left. Yes, second one I is agree. left. First. Second one is BuzzFeed News. The first one, <laughs> man, that one's salacious too. New York Post. However, it's true. They quote. Uh, actually, before I say anything about this, Roy and I are are pretty much conservative and even socially conservative across the board. You're I'm a, a little moderate more, and I'm more liberal. Yeah, on and issues. like libertarian-ish, mm-hmm. and especially on social issues. What do you think about this bill? I think, and thank you for asking that, um, I also, I, I don't necessarily believe that sexuality needs to be introduced in classrooms at an early age. I think a lot of that should be left to the home. On the other hand, when you get into a certain age in school and you start talking about biology and biological makeup and some of these things, I I actually don't have a problem with educating kids at a younger age on this stuff just because it takes some of the like goofiness away later on. I think that there there's not one clear-cut answer to me on these things. I don't feel like my position and my sexual orientation or my gender that is something that like I can use to say, "Oh, I know how this person feels" or "Oh, I know what this is." So I'm trying to be diplomatic here. I'm okay with more education than less, frankly. I wonder how many people, and this might just be a, a guy thing, um, <clears throat> but having been in high school and having worked in high school at one point, uh, and even in, in middle school, guys don't take it seriously anyway. I mean, it, it, everybody talks, the adults mm-hmm. talk about sex education and all of these things is, well, this is so important to to teach the children younger and younger and younger. And I don't know, people just seem to forget about when they were that age. It's not that important. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it it's not that important, but it also is the absolute most important thing in the entire right. world at that age. But, you, that, but that speaks to the fact that you're not going to go to your teacher and go, hey, I need to learn more about no, you're not comfortable. <laughs> right. But I'm okay. It, but I mean, I think I had a set, my first sex ed class. And I mean, you do like the puberty stuff in like fourth, fifth grade. I'm fine with working some. I'm fine with adjusting curriculum accordingly there. Do I think that we need to like insert in kindergarten classes that were never like like things that are too mature for children? No, I think like. We as a society, like if we decide fourth grade is when we're going to start talking about puberty and when people are developing, let's talk about that. That's fine. And I don't think that like thought policing in those 
situations is healthy. So, Well, I'm glad to hear you kind of make the distinction because we are talking about two different things there. And this bill in particular, you said it, it's pretty ridiculous to mm-hmm. introduce sexual curriculum. I'm reading from this New York Post, Post article with that salacious headline. It said the legislation that was passed in the Florida Senate Tuesday simply prevents schools from secretly propagandizing four to nine-year-olds on gender identity and sexual orientation. I don't know how you could make a case that 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 you should be teaching kindergarten through third graders about really sort of deep sexual topics, not just the basics, which I don't even know. That's not something I would advocate for anyway. No. But we're talking about like deep social issues related to gender and sex that Florida is saying, don't teach that below third grade. Yeah, like it's too young. They're too young. There's that, a reason that we teach kids puberty in fourth grade and sex education in high school. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's a reason that these classes have been taught historically in the same like years forever. Yeah. Now, I, I will I would make a different case. And I don't know if it's the same as Roy was saying. It's more just that I don't really think that sex in general belongs being taught by school. I think that's something that's that's very personal that either you want to get from your peers or from your parents or a combination of both. What about like safe sexual practices though? I I'd like to see that come from home. What about kids without homes? Like with, without any like kind of like normal like structure. What about kids that don't get it at homes? Like are we doing youth a disservice by not providing like hey like here's here are resources, here are things, like here are facts about uh, what can happen. And I get where you're coming from. I don't trust those people. I don't trust the people that would be in charge of that to not inject a whole lot of stuff that's not just absolute basic fact. And so the fact that I can't trust those people means that there's got to be some other source that that's got to come from, whether that's home or some other sort of like social service agency i don't know what that is parent you're gonna look at your kid what your kid's doing at school and reference that and like talk about that in the home right but like what about the kids without parents like do they should they just not have the education well i mean if you're talking about a kid with no parents you're talking about just like straight up foster kids that aren't like paying attention parents that aren't gonna have those conversations parents that aren't going to well, that's on them. I mean, if your parent, I, I'm assuming every kid's going to have at least a parent who's going to be in school. I mean, most most kids do. Maybe there's a, a small percentage that have no parents and they're like foster kids. But maybe this is, again, this might be a generational thing, but <clears throat> so I had parents who were basically uh, depression era parents, right? And so... I never got the talk. Yeah, didn't talk about anything. You know, you, yeah, mm-hmm. and they were religious. So it, it that stuff never came up at home. And we just had back, when I was in school, we just had the basic mm-hmm. sex ed class, which, again, in my era, it was just kind of you guys giggle, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I turned out okay. Well, I had kids. Yeah, I mean, you figured it out. got married. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I don't know. It, it seems like, again... Maybe a generational thing that that why does it? I, I mean, there was a lot of repression, obviously, yeah. back when I was younger and in my parents' generation. But is it really that critical? Like this hyper focus yeah, on right? That's kind of where yeah. I'm coming down on it. Do you think it's like a pendulum swing? Because you're absolutely right; it's generational, and my parents didn't talk about much either. And that's kind of like I, I'm seeing through the different generations of now, like 
my friends having kids and so on and so forth, how like these conversations are more important and how people are taking more time to talk about these things with their children. But do you think it's like a pendulum swing where like it was like silent, you don't talk about it to now where it's like, okay, we are talking about it. Now we're going to over talk about it. Kind of like everything in life kind of swings that way. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That if if we didn't talk about it enough, really, I, I put the blame on this on the church because the church had an opportunity to really own these issues and not just say, you know, you know, like, don't talk about them because your generation, my generation didn't experience that quite as much. But yours did. And if you were before the sexual revolution of the 60s or even a part of it, you know, the 60s and the 70s, the church had an opportunity to talk about biblical sexuality and didn't just didn't and really avoided the topic entirely and left it to the culture and the culture won. The culture absolutely won. And now, like you're saying, Tricia, it swung back so far Mm -hmm. that there's no morality and there's really it's just. It's such a focus, like your sexuality and your gen- or your gender, your sexuality, your race, that is, according to culture, the absolute most important thing about you. And that couldn't be further from the truth. There are so many things that are so much more mm-hmm. important about every individual. But to say, like the other way, that those things aren't a part of who you are, that we have come from that end of the spectrum, that's not true either. So I think you're right. I mean, there's got to be a middle ground there. And we're too far to one side right now Mm -hmm. with a lot of things. (laughs) There's a good spot to stop. We're a little bit long. We'll be right back with more on this and other things. Wiggins America. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. America, good weekend to you. So that segment we just did was called Which One's Left? And we, we all had these stories picked out. Trisha's still here. Old Roy is still here. And I figure we just come back and, and hit the ones we missed because you actually had what I thought was going to be the one we really talked about. We ended up talking about the don't say gay bill and sexual orientation and schools and all that stuff, which I thought was a great discussion. But uh, we're still doing Which One's Left uh, just from carryover. Roy, go ahead and do yours. Okay, so I'll read. Okay, here's the first one. Russia destroyed Children's Hospital in Maripol, Ukraine says. 
Okay. Okay. Second one. Horrifying pictures show apocalyptic scene after women and children targeted during ceasefire. Okay. This is still talking about the same bombing incident. Yeah. In Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So second one is left. Well, keep going. You have a third one, right? Uh, I do have a third one. Um, Kids trapped in rubble after hospital bombed, Zelensky says. So the first one sounds pretty down the middle, Mm -hmm. although skeptical. They're attributing it to Ukraine and saying, well, Ukraine is saying this. Mm -hmm. The third one is, I don't know, pretty down the middle. I would say it's the very most. similar. Yeah. Still attributed to Ukraine. The second one's attributed to Russia, though, right? Can you read that second one one more time? Horrifying pictures show apocalyptic scene after women and children targeted during ceasefire. That sounds like somebody who's pushing war. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's from a CNN-ish type outlet. You? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. These... I, I had thought initially that would be a more left-leading publication. Now I'm not 100% sure because I feel like there's a little bit less division on the stand with Ukraine thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm seeing a lot of right and left publications painting a bleak picture in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, this this one was an interesting topic because, like you said, almost everybody was on one side. Mm-hmm. They were just varying levels of severity and so the the one that 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 you picked out ryan was actually from fox wow and i had the same reaction i thought wait a minute somebody from msnbc wrote a fox headline (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it and and it's mostly because of the descriptive words you know Mm -hmm. horrifying pictures apocalyptic scene Mm -hmm. targeting children you know it's like that that's way beyond writing a headline that's that's a narrative mm-hmm. and not so much because of the side they're on, but because of the, the gratuitous effort to make it a narrative. That's why I thought that one would be perceived as left. So it, it has less to do with the fact that it's sort of <clears throat> making Russia look bad. It has more to do with how grotesque they were about these descriptive words and the it's interesting that it's fox too because the whole narrative now is the right loves putin and the rights on the side of russia and look at them they're evil and then you're talking about and i'm not sure where the other two headlines came from but there's the perception that fox is and they're i mean their commentators are uh right leaning and that headline sounded the most um Maybe it's a reaction. Maybe it's it's we Maybe. want to, we don't want to be perceived doubling as, down as no we're with Ukraine on this. The other two were CNN and M- and NBC. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. I will say this: I do think as, and I I hate to say anything positive about CNN, so you can <laughs> delete this tape. This never happened, but I do feel as if their war reporting is pretty thorough. It, it when, certainly when used it to, be. to be. I mean, they were known for that. I, if I want information specifically about this situation, I feel confident going to CNN and getting most of the facts for it. As, really? Mm-hmm. Well, Man, see, here's, I, don't, I don't know if I feel confident in anything. Here's an example, though, of what the the AP's headline was, which everybody usually starts with AP or a- Reuters. Yep. 
There, the AP headline was "Airstrike Hits Ukraine Maternity Hospital: Seventeen Reported Hurt." That's just facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what headlines are supposed to be. Yeah, that's that's what's interesting about this whole thing is that it it is really it's both easy to find a narrative and difficult to figure out who's saying what and why, because the AP typically with foreign stuff. And honestly, like like Trisha was saying with CNN, some of their foreign reporting is okay, but it's mainly because they're people that are, aren't embedded in New York, you know, right. or yeah. Atlanta. And but the, domestically, <clears throat> the stories that our news agencies report on us now foreign, if it reflected on Trump, that was different yeah. because then it was, but it was still pulling it back to a domestic issue. Domestic reporting, even the AP, is just awful. Yeah. They they spin everything so bad, or they don't spin it with the headline, but they spin it by focusing on certain things yeah. rather than other things. Right. It's interesting how nobody seems to be able to remove them, their opinions and then themselves from domestic reporting mm-hmm. because you're so. I mean, we're just, you're in it. You're in it, and we are so bombarded with information all the time that you have opinions. They're constantly changing, but you have them, and you can get you can find people to back those opinions up. So you're always validated, no matter what the thing is you think about it. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, there's no way to like not let that. It seems like there's no way to not let that seep in. Whereas when you're talking about something that doesn't affect you on a day to day basis, or you're not hearing about, you can be a little more objective about. Yeah, it's interesting. No, it's very true, and but th- that's the problem with the Russia story is that be- it's becoming a domestic issue, and true. oddly though, you still have politicians on both sides. I mean, this week, Mitch McConnell, Annie upped Nancy Pelosi and said, "Oh, you want to spend ten billion on Ukraine? I'll spend fourteen billion." So it's this, and it's all posturing. These people don't actually—they're not going. Wait a minute, now I've looked at the numbers, mm-hmm. ten billion would accomplish some of what we're going to do, but 14 would accomplish exactly what we wanted. No, they're just one up in each other. They're just one up in each other. It's become their own thing as opposed to what's right for either the American people who elected you or the world, if you want to go further, as far as like humanitarian issue. Domestically, do you think that Joe Biden actually cares about gas prices at all, or is this acceptable loss? You know, does he... Does he think, well, this is bad for me politically, but I don't care because this is achieving our long-term climate goals? That's how I felt when he said, when he dropped the electric vehicle thing in his address the other day, earlier this week. Touche. When he said, like, this is, this isn't all because of, like, the pipelines and we're sanctioning Russia and we're working on, like, opening some oil reserves and we're going to try to, like, combat this, but, I mean, honestly, long-term, we all need to switch to electric vehicles. It's like... Well, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, I can't. I can't afford that. I can't afford to drive my car. This goes back to the Obama era where they he just came right out and said, we need to be paying six dollars a gallon for gas (laughs) in order to discourage people from using fossil fuels. We don't have an alternative that a normal yeah. person can afford yet. Right. We just don't. This Sorry. Is, this is extremely typical of government saying, we know what we want for you. Therefore, we're going to do anything we can to get there and sacrifice you in the process. Yeah. What? That makes no sense. For freedom. For well, democracy. I don't, is it? <laughs> it's crazy. I bet it's not for freedom, yeah. ultimately, when right. you get down to it. Yeah. But, yeah, but I'm last night, I'm you know, I'm putting gas in my car because I have to drive to... 
two cities over to take my kid to soccer practice, and it's sucking the life out of me every time I do it right now, <laughs> and the gas out of my car. And I, I'm thinking, man, as I'm filling up and I'm watching all these people around me filling up, are all of them tying this to politics? Because I think most people are. Because it is. This is entirely politics. It's not the market moving up and down, which right. I will admit, and everybody has to admit, at times, presidents are a subject to the market that's mm-hmm. at hand. That happens. And the other party's going to point fingers, and it's always. not always valid. Always. It's not always and they did. Even when tr- there was a little spike for a very little mm-hmm. amount of time, I think in 2017, and at, at that very moment, there are pictures of Schumer maybe with Pelosi standing in front of the absolute most expensive gas station in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. saying, <laughs> can you believe what this president's doing? Well, that's Ugh. resurfaced recently because they're not willing to do a dang thing about these gas prices. And I, like I said, I think the market has overreacted for the moment, but I also think that it's going to continue to overreact. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to get better either in light of world circumstances. When you have a leader at the top who not only is really not very put together to be really nice about it. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing, but he's also signaling to the whole world constantly, I'm not going to do anything about this. With inflation going up too, and interest rates are going to start going up, the economy is going to just shrivel because you have a guy at the top who, A, is not willing to do anything about any of it and is actually actively doing the opposite of helping it, and then B, isn't inspiring any confidence to to the contrary either. It's really, really unfortunate, and it's, like you said, Roy, a couple segments ago, if we can get through this next three years, things (laughs) might be okay, but for these next three years, you're going to have an economy that that really looks like more bare shelves. I mean, we think there's bare shelves now. Just wait. (laughs) It's not that we're not going to have food. I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's not like we're going to all go in our basements and try to dig up the water supply that we have down there. I don't think we're getting there, but... Roy did say, stay positive, two more years, and then we panic. Yes. So No, I, no, I said give up. Oh. <laughs> well, depending on who wins in 2024. <laughs> okay, so positive, yeah. optimistic, two years, and if we don't win in 2024, it's over. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yep. We'll end there. We'll be right back. Wings of America. So I've given my predictions this morning about what I think is going to happen with gas prices, but I'm no expert. But I do have an expert here, so uh, let's find out what Devlin thinks. Devlin Steele is a financial analyst. This is the kind of stuff he does. He works with Augusta Precious Metals, and I guess you you make predictions for people who are going to have to spend a lot of money. Is that right? Absolutely. You have to look at the market. It's very difficult these days because we have so much volatility and so many events that are taking place that nobody expected. So, Devlin, this week the president announced that we will no longer be buying any oil from Russia. The price has gone up. Are we plateaued finally, or are we going to see more price hikes? I think we're going to see more price hikes. I think the what they Biden is thinking is that we're going to ramp up production here. The oil companies just had a meeting in Houston, and there's a whole different language being spoken there. They don't want to invest in drilling right now because that's going they don't know where oil prices are going to go. If they're going to maintain where they're at and they're making a lot of money. So they don't have motivation. So with when you have separate motivations going on between the oil companies and what the president would like, especially when you're talking about a president who's pushing green policies and 
the oil companies don't really favor him to begin with, uh, I think we're going to see more price hikes as if, if the Ukraine uh, war doesn't settle down. Well, I want to ask you about Russian oil in a second, but what you just said is interesting because you're saying that prices are at a historic high, which to me would mean now's the time when you want to pump as much as you can because you're going to make as much as you can, but you're saying politics are playing into that. The president, companies are saying, we don't know what this administration is going to do, therefore we want to just hold steady because we don't know whether we should invest in this or not. Am I reading that right? That, that's well. They don't know what the what, where oil prices are going to go. If they're going to maintain, if this war is going to settle, it's not like you just turn on these pumps and there's just a. I think Biden thinks that there's a light switch there. You turn them on and everything goes. You have to invest money. And what happened was the oil companies lost a lot of money when the pandemic hit, and they're not eager to expose themselves to any risk right now. And they're making they're they're recording higher profits now than they have in a long time. So where's the motivation for them to solve this? Right, right, right. So okay, well, let's talk about Russia then, because in this last week, you know, based on this announcement, I think we've seen a lot of people speculating it's going to go up, and it did go up. But as far as I understand it, we only buy about what five to ten percent of our oil from Russia anyway. Is that going to long term impact our prices here? So it's even less than that. We we buy three percent of our oil from from Russia. But when you're looking at Europe, who buys all their oil, uh, oil mostly from Russia, if the ban has a lot more to do with global supply, it doesn't mean that it's just all about what we buy. And that when the global supply diminishes, then price goes up everywhere. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me, on the heels of that, ask you, Devlin. Um, he, by the way, Devlin Steele is on the phone with us. He is a financial analyst, and he works with Augusta Precious Metals. He, he forecasts these kind of things. So a great guest to have on about this topic. Um, as the price is going up, uh, is releasing strategic reserves, is that going to do anything long-term? Absolutely not. You can only re, uh, release strategic returns for for a, a couple of weeks, uh, but no, the the market has to meet supply and demand. You can't do it from strategic returns. And plus, uh, there's wars going on right now. Do you think that the we want to empty out our strategic strategic returns? Right, right. Well, what about the? There's a conservative talking point. I'm sure you've heard it. We've all heard it across the country. And. There is truth in it, but I want to know how much truth is in the Keystone XL pipeline. If we had built that, would all of our problems be better now, or is that a part of the solution, or are we overblowing that? Uh, we're not overblowing that. I mean, we would have gotten more oil through the Keystone than we need from Russia altogether. So it would have met our oil needs prices still would have gone up because global supply would have would have reduced because of all the bans on oil throughout the entire globe so it still would have we still would have seen price escalation but not to the level where it is now and the the final point on that is we have oil and we don't have oil independence why yeah i mean is that because of just this or does it have to do with cuz i keep seeing also you know, in the first week or so of the presidency that we are under now with Biden, that he was 
putting a moratorium on all federal land drilling and all that. Is all that playing into this? Of course, it all plays into that. He talks about the thousands of permits that are out there that people aren't drilling. But, you know, what had happened is that the oil price came down so much that drilling became inefficient here in the United States. And then the Keystone would have been the real solution because that would have brought in reduced oil cost easily into our country, meeting our demand. Devlin, I keep seeing a back and forth happening in the White House press room between Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey of Fox News, where he says, hey, uh, prices were already going up before this happened. Now you're blaming it on Putin. Which one's right? Is Peter Ducey right that we would have seen prices like this anyway? Or is, is this very much based on Russia and the war? It's accelerated by Russia and the war, but he's absolutely right. Prices were moving up, and we all saw that week by week. Uh, here, I'm in Austin, Texas, and a year ago, it was $2 a gallon, and now it's almost $4 a gallon. But it was before this whole episode started, we were over $3 a gallon. So this was moving up because of the way things were being managed by the White House. Absolutely. Devlin, I appreciate your time. Now, before we run out of time with you this morning, I think the big question that we're just going to end the whole show with here is what do people do? You know, if I, if I have a, a, a little bitty car or I got a gas guzzler, whatever it is, what do you tell the average person right now? I mean, is there any strategy that we can implement to save money? Do we, do we just try to like what are you telling the average person right now that they should do? Well, the CPI numbers came out yesterday at 7.9%, and that's from a basket of goods and services. What we're really feeling is much higher. This uh, oil in Russia, it impacts our food costs. Russia and Ukraine supply 29% of the wheat, 75% of the seed oil, and then all the natural gases for the fertilizer. So we're going to see food costs go up, gas prices go up. This is across the board that our dollars are not going as far as they used to. And this is a major problem for people as the Federal Reserve is getting ready to raise interest rates, which will further aggravate the situation. And we could be looking at a recession. Goldman Sachs just up their uh, recession warning to 35%. I think it's much higher than that. So what do I tell people? You got to be smart and get as much education as you can to figure out what you need to do for yourself because the financial institutions aren't going to tell you to sell anything, aren't going to, they're going to do exactly what they told you in 2007. You'll be okay in the long run. But we're about to hit some very, very volatile times. And I think everyone has to take responsibility for themselves and do some research. Real quick, where do you see gas prices peaking at or and when? I think we're going to see if, if, I don't think Russia and Ukraine are going to sell. I just don't. I don't. I think Putin. I. I don't have a good feeling about that. The market keeps rallying on the potential for it, but if this thing doesn't settle, and then who knows what's next? China goes after Taiwan. I think we're going to see elevated uh, prices, and I think nationwide we'll probably get to somewhere around six dollars nationwide. Okay, Devlin Steele, thank you so much for your time this morning on Wiggins America. Appreciate it. My pleasure to be here. Hey, just a reminder, the whole show will be up in about five minutes here at 971talk.com for podcasts. You can rewind on the Odyssey app. 
highlight of the morning. I don't know. I, I it's it's kind of a morning. It's a time of low lights in the United States, isn't it? However, we did do some goofy stuff. If you missed us forcing one of our regulars here of the cast, old Roy, to do a karaoke version of Safety Dance, but he couldn't sing any line that had the word dance in it, suggest you get the podcast. 971talk.com. See you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.